Welcome to the Gas Street Podcast. Our vision as a church is to be light for the city. We really hope you enjoy this message. As Tevo said, uh, my name is Rory. It is lovely to be with you guys this morning. I am so honoured to be able to talk to you this morning. Um, and I thought I'd jump right in, if that's all right. We're going to jump straight in. We're going to get going. Um, so before we do that, we're just going to pray. We're going to invite the Holy Spirit in. We're going to invite Jesus to come and do what he does. So if you'd like to bow your heads, let's do it. Jesus, we just, we love you, Lord. Jesus, we love you. We look to you this morning. We ask that your Holy Spirit would come and fill this room this morning. Open our hearts to your word, Jesus. Open our hearts to your word this morning, Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Awesome. Okay, so, oh, that was a bit loud. Taste and see. That is what we're looking at this morning. Our theme this morning, taste and see. Um, and we're going to look at one little bit of scripture. It's Psalm 34, verse 8, which says this Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. If you are taking notes, the title of my message this morning is this. Seeing God's goodness in a world that doesn't want me to. Seeing God's goodness in a world that doesn't want me to. Guys, God has been so good to me. God has been so, so good to me. He continues to be good to me every single day. And I can faithfully testify to the truth of this statement that when you taste, you will see the goodness of the Lord. However, we cannot be oblivious to the world that we live in. We cannot be oblivious to the reality of this world. Because we live in a world where, as the Bible says, the prince of this world, the enemy, desires me to miss the Lord's goodness to me. His desire is to steal God's goodness from my eyes in all of life. That is his desire. It says the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion in the Bible. So it would actually be unwise of me not to expect challenge in seeing the goodness of the Lord. However, the truth is, isn't it guys, that not always does the enemy show up like a roaring lion. Now sometimes he does and those times can be incredibly painful. But often, if we're honest, it's just a whisper, just a thought, just something very, very slight that throws us off. What was it this morning? Traffic jam? Maybe a social media post that slightly got under your skin the way you didn't want it to. And what's happened there is then a lie is planted. A lie is planted by the devil. And guys, the truth is the devil is not creative. He is not creative in the slightest. The lie that he told Adam and Eve is the same lie he tells us today. What he told them is, did he really say? Did God really say that? What, and what he tells us what he's saying now is, it might just be, is God really good to you? Is he? And it's just that whisper, you know, you're stuck in a traffic jam and it's annoying. You wanted to be at church on time because you never are, but you wanted to this week. But there was a traffic jam. And then I'm sat there going, oh, maybe God just isn't good to me. Did he really say? So how do you do it? In this fallen world, how do I taste and see that the Lord is good? So I'm going to try and answer that today. Just before I do, I'd say this. God is a good father. He gives abundantly to his children. So simply asking him, seeking him, digging into his word in your own time, in your quiet time, asking God, I want to see your goodness. That is the best way we can do it. I will be able to stand up here and encourage you today. But if you hear it from him, he'll change your life. So go seek him, seek him. 
However, that being said, my encouragement to you this morning is, I must be reminded. I must be reminded. I love what we were singing this morning. All the songs we were singing about the cross, so powerful. I must be reminded. For me to taste and see the goodness of the Lord, I must actively remind myself of who God is and how good he's been to me in the past. And this is an incredibly biblical practice. All throughout the Old Testament, God talks to the Israelites and says, remember that I am the God who drew you up out of Egypt. He even says, tell your children and remind them that I am the God who picked you up out of Egypt. Why? So why does God call his people to reminding? Why does he call us to reminding? Is it because God says, oh, well, I've been good to you that one time. Just remember that. Stop asking me to be good to you. I've been good to you. Do you remember? I don't think it is. <laughs> no, because the truth is that God is good. God is good. God is always good. In every moment, all the time, God is good. That is the truth. That is what I believe to be true. So with that truth sealed in my heart, what about the moments when I don't feel God is being good to me? What about those moments when I don't feel God's goodness? Well, that's where I'd say that these moments are the reason that God invites us to remind ourselves of how good he's been to us in the past. Because reminding myself of what God has done for me in the past is the key to opening my eyes to how good he's being now. Because I can say with full confidence that the answer is never that God is not being good right now. It's never that. It will always be, I just can't see it. And it's hard because, you know, it puts the blame on us, but he's given us a key. I must be reminded. I must remember. So preparing for this talk, I dug a little bit deeper into that word remind. And it's actually awesome. Um, language is awesome, guys. Um, it was, it's really interesting, that word reminded. I must be reminded. In that word alone, we get a pretty great description of the fall. Because I know that from the fall, my mind has been shaped in a certain way by this world that will mean I miss God's goodness to me. But if I remind myself, I take my warped mind and I reshape it, I remold it, I renew it into something new. And I go back to the right perspective of God. I love that in this passage, it uses the word see, because that's what's happening when I remind myself. It's actually opening the eyes of my faith to see God's goodness now. Because we might think, oh, you know, just remembering God's goodness, what's that going to do? But actually, the Holy Spirit does something in that moment, and you begin to go, whoa, God is so good to me. It's crazy. I used the word active earlier. We must actively remind ourselves. Why? Because as we've seen, it's not going to happen naturally. We see in the verse here both desirable things that happen to taste and see and to be blessed. Both of those things come after active, intentional action. If I taste, then I will see. If I seek refuge, then I will be blessed. It is an active thing that we need to do. And guys, I've seen so many different facets of the Lord's goodness during my time here at GSA. It's been awesome. He has shown me that he is the provider. He has provided for me whenever I haven't had a place to stay, whenever I haven't had any money. That was a bit too real. But, you know, he has provided for me constantly. And it's beautiful. 
He's shown me that he's faithful by getting me here in the first place. Um, if we can chat after, I don't have enough time now, but there's really no reason that I'm here, really. But God got me here because he knew that here is where I needed to be to develop in the way that he desired me to. So he got me here in the first place. How beautiful is it that we serve a God who doesn't go, okay, get there, and when you're there, then I'll help you. But he actually took me here. He's beautiful, guys. I love it. He's been faithful to me. He showed me his grace, his compassion, his joy, his comfort, his beauty, his wisdom. He's been so, so kind to me. Jesus is so kind to me, guys. I've really been blown away by his kindness this year. That's the main thing. I've been blown away by his kindness. Ultimately, what happens when you remind yourself of how good has been to you is that he can actually unpack just how goodness, just how good his goodness is. Because we often we don't get it. We think, oh, you know, yeah, I get that he's good. But when I remind myself and actually go back over how good he's been, I begin to get blown again. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is crazy. He's, is he that good? God is infinitely complex. And the most powerful way that he's revealed his goodness to me this year is just by unpacking the goodness of the cross to me. That is it. Taste and see that the Lord is good. We never need to go anywhere further than the cross. The good news of Jesus Christ dying on the cross for us. That's it, guys. That's it. Sometimes it can feel like, you know, that's an Easter message or whatever. I know that doesn't help me now. But actually, we never need to go any further than the goodness of the cross. And how kind is it that we have a God who will explain the cross to us? I was thinking yesterday, like, how awesome is it that God is not stubborn? Like, he has so much right to be stubborn with us if he wanted. He sent his son to die on a cross. And he could, I wouldn't blame him if he said to me, if you don't get that, I'm not going to explain it to you because I sent my son to die. But he doesn't. He walks us through. He walks us through the goodness of the cross. Guys, that's been it for me this year. And I just wanted to share a quick revelation about the cross that I gained recently. The the wisest person in my life often says that every choice is, every moment is a choice between compromise or obedience. That every, uh, because of the grace and wisdom of God to allow me with free will, every moment is a choice between compromise or obedience. And that can sound quite scary. Sometimes when I'm sat like, oh, it's my choice again. Sometimes it can feel weighty. But guys, this is the goodness of the Lord. When I say yes to Jesus, when I bring him into my life, I surrender my life to him, I say yes to him. Those two decisions, compromise or obedience, I'm only ever faced with two outcomes if I say yes to Jesus. Either I get grace or reward. That is crazy. That is, that is a crazy life revelation that in every moment, if I've said yes to Jesus, I can only be faced with grace or reward. In every moment, grace or reward. And sometimes reward doesn't look like earthly reward, doesn't look like a promotion, more money. I mean, Lord, if you want to, then fine. But sometimes it doesn't look like that. Often it looks like a deeper revelation of him, deeper truth of him, deeper thoughts about him. 
which is beautiful because if he really is the best thing in the world, if he really is the good God, if he is infinite and blah, 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 and all that stuff, then surely the best reward I could ever get is him. And so he giving me him is actually only his goodness. And I like to just think sometimes of what the Father is saying over us in those two choices. If I choose obedience in that moment, if I choose obedience, our Father in heaven goes, wow, I am so proud of you. I can't believe you've obeyed me. I know your flesh. I know what it feels like to be human. I've been in your spot. I know your battle and you chose me. I'm so proud of you. I love you so much. And he pours out reward. Now, that can sound great, but if I choose compromise, what happens then? Compromise, the father goes, Rory, I love you so much. Don't worry. I love you. I have paid for this already. Don't worry. I love you. I am the Lord. I have paid for this with my very own blood because I loved you so much before you even knew who I was. I have paid for this in full. I have washed you white as snow. The slate is clean. And with a clean slate, here is another moment for you to choose me. I go, God, you don't understand. I chose compromise a second ago. And he goes, yeah, no, one second later, washed clean, white as snow, here's another choice, choose obedience. <laughs> Guys, this, this really is it. That's it. Understanding this, the way that the Lord has revealed this to me in my year here is life-changing. It is life-changing. The cross is life-changing. God, are you really that good? Could you really be that good? That in every moment I'm either getting grace or reward. Could you be that good? Guys, this is the good news. This is what we believe. This is my faith. That in every moment I'm faced with grace or reward. Why? Because God chose me. He paid for me, and he chose me. So how can I see the goodness of the Lord in a world that doesn't want me to? If I can develop a habit in my life of reminding myself of how good God has been in the past, and ultimately reminding myself daily of the cross, then my eyes will be opened to how he's been good to us in the past, how he's going to be good to me now, and how he will be good to me in the future. And that's kind of all I've got to share. One little practical thing, though. How do we do this? Rory, what does that look like? For me, ages ago, it looks like this. It looked like kneeling down in prayer, having no idea what to pray. Haven't we all been there? And kneel down like, Jesus, I don't know what's going on. But so what I started doing is I just started lift, listing stuff off. And every single thing I thanked the Lord for. It may sound weird when you start listing some stuff that's a bit weird. But actually suddenly the Holy Spirit breaks something open because let's be honest, in our minds, there are all those things like, yeah, I know God's been good to me here, but these are just the life things, you know? And when I start listing off the life things, it opens my eyes that actually that's all God as well. Thank you, Lord, for the petrol in my car. You know, thank you, Lord, that I was able to sleep last night well. Like, if you just list stuff off, it will feel weird. But when I did it, I was broken in half crying. I was like, God, I can't believe you're so good to me. He has been so good to us. I'll just end in prayer before I hand over to Esther. Jesus, I just pray right now that you would seal that in our hearts, Lord. Father, open my eyes to the goodness of the cross. 
Jesus, open my eyes to you, Lord. Seal it in our hearts, Jesus. And Father, open our hearts as Esther comes to speak to us now. Thank you that you are so good to us. Amen. Amen. Well, hello, guys. As Temu says, <laughs> my name is Esther. I'm obviously an academy student as well, um, doing the kids' stream. So I do a lot of the kids' ministry. So if you haven't seen me around on a Sunday morning, it's probably because I'm normally through in the coal house. And yeah, obviously, I'm not there today. So if you have a moment, maybe just like say a quick prayer for them. I'm not sure how they're getting on without me. But... Yeah, let's dive right in. So, as we've probably heard a few times already, the theme of today is Psalm 34, verse 8. And I'm going to read it again, in case anyone's missed it. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed are those who take refuge in him. It's this part, the, the Lord is good. As Christians, this is so foundational to what we believe. And it's something that, like, if you've grown up in church... We've grown up being taught this. It's a fact that we stand upon. Like, it's a firm foundation of what we believe. The whole story of the gospel points to the goodness of God, the way that the Father sent down his Son in order that we would be saved and set free. This all points to the goodness of God. And yet, I wonder if from time to time we might find ourselves asking the question, is God really good? Because things come along in our lives which we don't expect. Curved balls get thrown at us. The chaos that sometimes seems to follow us, it can feel like problem after problem hits us. And like we can find ourselves in this place, is God really good? Or maybe it's what feels like the never-ending stream of issues that comes out of the world. You know, we look at the world issues coming out of like each country, there's things, there's crazy things going on. And I know that I've personally found myself asking this question because three years ago, my dad really suddenly passed away. And in the pain of that, I felt like God had let me down. I felt like he left me there. And I was so angry because I couldn't see how the God that loved me could leave me in that place. And I found myself questioning the character of God. I found myself crying out to him that he would show me what was going on because I couldn't see clearly through my situation. What was in front of me made absolutely no sense. We struggle to understand what we can't fully see. Throughout this time, I'd chosen to believe in the goodness and the faithfulness of God. But it was hard, and it was something I knew in my head, and I didn't yet know in my heart. But throughout this year, I found God revealing himself to me, giving me a new perspective on who he is. As I've spent time with him, as I've allowed him to come close, I've seen him shaping me, changing my perspective on who he is. I don't believe that the goodness of God is something that changes. I think when we see it and when we don't, it remains the same. But sometimes we need help. We need help to see the goodness of God so that we may fully know with both our heads 
and our hearts that he's good. We all experience things that we wish we didn't have to. Maybe for you it's something that's going on right now or it might be something in the past that you've gone through. You might feel it's big or insignificant, it doesn't matter. I believe that God wants to open our eyes and reveal himself to us. That where we struggle to see clearly, he would open our eyes to the truth of who he is. That there would be a deep revelation of his goodness and he wants to fill us with that today. So that we can taste and see that he's good. It seems Jesus isn't afraid of our questions. And I'm fully confident that his truth can withstand all of our doubts. So the title of my message today is, The Truth Will Set You Free. And I'm just going to read a passage from John 20, starting at verse 24, if you've got your Bibles. If not, I'm going to read it out. So it says this, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, Thomas, sorry, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and he said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hand, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. So Thomas was a disciple who had been following Jesus since the very beginning of his ministry. So they've been friends for about three years. We join the story at a point where Jesus has died, he's been resurrected, and then Jesus came to see the disciples, but Thomas wasn't there. So Imagine this, one of your closest friends has died, he's come back to life, and then he's come and said hi to all of your friends, and you weren't there, you've missed it. I'm not sure what he was doing, maybe he was like running late or something, I'm pretty sure that's where I would have been. But he missed out on seeing the resurrected Messiah. I know if that was me, I'd have major FOMO. So he says, he longs to experience what his friends were telling him about, and he says this, I'm going to read it again. Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. You see, sometimes it's not enough for our friend or for the person next to us to tell us that God is good. But there comes a point when we have to know it for ourselves. We have to seek the truth. And this is exactly what Thomas goes after. So here's my point number one, if you're taking notes. In seeking truth, we must seek proximity with Jesus. John 14 verse 6 says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. See, we can get so caught up trying to find the answers on our own, and we end up searching in all the wrong places. We're looking in all the places we're not meant to be, trying to find the answer. We end up over here, and Jesus, the truth, is over there. We're in the wrong place. We become so disillusioned with God believing that he's far off and angry. Maybe like our fears prevent us from drawing near. We believe that after everything we've done wrong, after the resentment we've held on to, that we just don't deserve to be close anymore. So we keep our distance and we hold him at arm's length. But I think this moment with between Thomas and Jesus 
reveals to us the heart of Jesus. I can picture this moment, and Jesus holds out his hands, and Thomas reaches out and touches them. It's so intimate. And in their proximity, Thomas is given a revelation of who Jesus is. Jesus simply longs for Thomas to experience the truth, and so he shows it to him. For Thomas, it's in the form of scarred hands and holes in his side, but for you, it might be something different. But in the same way, Jesus longs to give you a deep revelation of who he is. My challenge to you is this. Where distance has crept in, how can we enter back into proximity with Jesus? And so here's my point number two. We might assume that Jesus would appear immediately to Thomas after he, Thomas has said, would you reveal yourself to me? But he doesn't. So this is my point number two. Truth can take time. In verse 26, it says that it was one week later when Jesus came to Thomas, meaning Thomas had to wait. There was a period of time when everything was not clear and Thomas could not see the answers. Waiting's hard. I hate waiting for the bus. Never mind waiting for deep revelation from God. It becomes so frustrating. We think, but why can't he just speed this up? I want to get to the end destination because I don't like this place that I'm in. But, and doubt creeps in again. And we're thinking, God, are you really going to finish what you started? We're questioning. We're questioning what God is doing. Personally, I was reminded of the waiting that the Israelites endured. You see, God's chosen people had been taken out of slavery in Egypt and they're now journeying to the promised land where God has said they can finally settle down, rebuild their lives. But instead of walking in a straight line from one destination to another, they spend 40 years circling the desert. I think our own journey through pain and into truth can be very similar. I found that it's often not linear, but involves circling the desert for a while where we sometimes feel as if we're getting nowhere, like we've just ended up back where we started. And maybe times where we see glimpses of the promised land on the horizon, and then we find ourselves walking back into the desert. But the thing we have to remember is the promised land was always there, and God was always leading them to it. That never changed. No matter how many times you feel like you're circling back around, the promised land is still there and the destination remains the same. <laughs> Brings me on to my final point, number three. We seem to believe that we know everything, but the fact is, we really don't. And his are his thoughts not above our thoughts and his ways not above our ways? Even before Thomas had seen for himself the evidence of Jesus' resurrection, it was still there. The scars were still in his hand. Jesus had still died and risen again. It's just that Thomas couldn't see it at the time. It wasn't right in front of him. I don't know if this was just me, but as a kid, I would play hide and seek. And I would sit there with my eyes closed and I would think, the seeker couldn't find me because I couldn't see them. So if I can't see you, then you can't see me. Because I believe that if I couldn't see something, it must not exist. Sometimes I think this is how we react to things we don't understand about life. But I feel God saying, if you would only open your eyes, 
Just because Thomas couldn't see the scars didn't mean they didn't exist. And just because we can't see the goodness of God in our life doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Just as Jesus gave Thomas opportunity to come and experience the truth, I think he longs to invite us into the same freedom. So if the band would like to come up, I'm just gonna finish off. When I started this year, God invited me into a journey of showing me what I couldn't see by myself. I can now say with a deep conviction that he is good. And that is because of the work he's done within me. My hope is that in the midst of pain, we would find the truth of who Jesus is. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, visit our website, gastreet.org or follow us on Instagram at Gastreet Church.